Well, the chaos that is Twitter just keeps on providing. The latest is that Twitter has suspended the launch of their program where users pay for a blue tick. Now, this comes after a wave of impersonation accounts paid their $8 to get verified. And in one of the biggest examples, an account impersonated U.S. pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly, and they declared that insulin is free now. Of course, for the real Eli Lilly, they sell insulin for $275, not the uh, $10 it takes to manufacture, and certainly not for free. Okay, so that example might be kind of funny, but the real question is what's ahead for individual users who've seen Twitter as a useful tool to speak to their following? I'm joined now by Canadian musician and rapper Cadence Weapon, or as I know him, Roly Pemberton. He won the coveted Polaris Music Prize for his fifth album, Parallel World, last year, and he's been producing content and commentary on Twitter since 2009. Hey, Roly. Hey, Raji, how you doing? I'm well. It's so great to talk to you. So, Roly, I know you've been following the chaos that is Twitter. To what extent has Twitter been a useful tool for you, your your brand, and sharing your music? Oh, Twitter has been pivotal for me. I mean, I would say it contributed to me getting a book deal. You know, just having that kind of... Uh, it, it shows how significant my impact was just on the amount of followers I had but I had all these amazing things happen just from being on Twitter. Like, you know, Lars Ulrich from Metallica reached out to me because and liked my music, and I ended up going backstage and to the Metallica show in Toronto and stuff. That would have never happened if it weren't for Twitter. Yeah, so I think a lot of people who don't know that side of it um, aren't aware that you can wield it to develop relationships. So you don't think that you would even be where you are right now without Twitter? Probably not, no. Um, I think it really solidified my voice in Canada, you know, where people just, they're like, oh, I want to go uh, find out what's going on in music in Canada or find out, you know, what, what's happening in sports or politics from my perspective. You know, it just makes it so easy for people to just come and learn more about me. Okay, so when you think about the value of Twitter to you in kind of the, the pre-Elon Musk format, and then I can't even say the post because we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Twitter, and it seems to be evolving and changing every day. But when you compare what it's been for you and then this unknown future, what is your thinking around it and your investment? Well, I've been thinking a lot about it even before Elon took over. You know, uh, I feel like it's, it has been beneficial to me, you know, you know, for instance, our conversation is based on, you know, me tweeting about this going on, you know, and it's, yeah. that's happened to me so many times where I tweet something and then it becomes news and then it brings me out of Twitter into, you know, being on TV or on the radio or whatever. So that can be beneficial sometimes too, but I've gone viral, you know, recently I had a tweet that was seen by a million people. You know, you can see it in the analytics. And normally I'd never have that kind of reach for anything I do. But the problem with that is people who disagreed with the tweet were harassing me. I was getting, <laughs> sure. I was getting messages on all of my social media about, you know, how could you feel that way? Like just total strangers from around the world. How did you process all that? I, I find it really emotionally stressful. And, and for me also, it's like, what do I, how much do I benefit versus how much does the platform benefit from me putting my content, putting my intellectual property on Twitter? 
Right, because you are producing content every time you tweet. And although, you, as you mentioned there, you got a million impressions on a tweet, that's you bringing people to this format, Twitter. Exactly. exactly. So like, why, why wouldn't I just put that in my music or put it in a book that I write or put it in something that is, you know, my, verifiably my content? Okay, so now really- I'm just driving uh, engagement to Twitter. Sure. So then why wouldn't you just do that, as you pointed out? Uh, well, I think that's what I'm, I'm intending to do going forward. I think for me, it's just like being more mindful about what I put on there when I post. Like I was thinking about when I first got on Twitter, what did I used to do? I don't know. I'd make jokes about basketball. Uh, you know, it was a very, it was a more lighthearted experience. Sure. And now that I have this following on there, I feel this, uh, this pressure to be like, oh, I have to be responsible with my platform and do good and you know, it, it, it's it's not fun at all, I find. <laughs> yeah, and also you're a musician. You're not a politician. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm an entertainer, you know, yeah. so, yeah. Okay, and so how do you feel about this whole blue tick program that's been suspended? As They say it's probably going to be back on. Do you think that you should pay for it? <laughs> I think it's really funny. Um, I don't think you should pay for it. Um, what you're already seeing is the thing is you can click on the blue tick to see if someone is, uh, you know, they've got it because they're a celebrity or they're a notable figure or if they're paying for it and it says, and you're seeing people just being ridiculed on Twitter. You know, it's like, you, man, you paid for Twitter? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure you've heard of, you know, these other artists, musicians jumping ship from Twitter. They're leaving their accounts for other platforms instead. Are you much bothered about that, about finding a new home for your following to hear your latest thoughts? Yeah, I think my main thing is, you know, I have a Substack newsletter and I want to get as many people from my Twitter following there because that's some, it's one of the only social media platforms that I can really directly communicate with my audience. And I think that was one of the big problems that I've had with a lot of social media lately is that it's, you know, you're at the whim of the algorithm. And typically Twitter would really respond to things that were incendiary or like the, the topic of the day or just like really explosive. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I don't want to feed into that news cycle all the time. Right. I find it really interesting that you, you mentioned Substack and that's working out for you and for a lot of people. I know a lot of people have uh, found their happy place there. Um, but ironically, isn't it just like blogging, which I miss? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it is. And I, I kind of like that. It's, you know, it's like a slower form of the kind of social media we're doing now. You know, I was loving the blog era back then. And what did you love about it? You know, I felt like I was really making a lot of relationships with people online. You know, I was meeting like-minded music fans and other artists. And, you know, you'd, the whole thing was you'd have your blog role and you'd like other like-minded pages. You could put it on there, you know. And I feel like we're getting back to that kind of communal aspect of using social media. Because right now it's like I feel like we're just at, at the whim of advertisers and corporations. And we're just like making content for them rather than making content for ourselves. That's very interesting. Well, Rolly, we'll leave it there. Thank you again. It was really uh, an enjoyable conversation. Thanks for having me on.